0: Wonderful. Thanks, Chloe. So, it's great to be here. Um, My name's Tim, part King's Church, Birmingham. Been there about three years. We were, I think, I was here for about 15 years before that here in Grace Church. Um, It's a long time, actually. Um, So, it's always, always great to be back. So, what we're going to be looking at this afternoon is, so if Duncan got you this morning, if you felt at the end of it, I'm convicted. I want to do something. I, I would like the next part of my life to be characterized by being in the vine. I want want to know Jesus in a deeper, more full way than I have before. What on earth do you do next? It is what I'm going to at least try to help us think about. My aim by the end of this session, I think we're going to do about an hour and 15, which won't all be me talking, you'll be glad to hear, but is that you have an opportunity to... Decide on something that you can do next. A chance to go, right, my next step is going to be whatever it might be for you. And I would anticipate that there will be as many next steps as there are people in here. It's not that I'm going to say, you should all do this thing next. You're going to need to figure out what the right next thing for you is. And then maybe later when we start to pray and worship together, we might have a chance to seal that with God. But practically, how can we pursue Jesus? So, to start with, Paul, um, at the beginning of his letter to the Thessalonians, says, We give thanks to God always uh, for all of you, as so the church that he's writing to, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. So he's talking about himself praying. Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness, or perseverance will probably be better. There's perseverance of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Work of faith, labor of love perseverance or steadfastness of hope. It's kind of active. Do you notice that? Those, those are actions. And this is not really a thing I'm going to talk about today, but this is an interesting thought. That means, if you notice, that faith, love, and hope, they're not emotions, they're things you do, and things you practice, and things you get better at as you do them. That's the thought to go away and think about, but they're not, they're, what he is, what Paul wants this church to do is repeat some things. What he wants them to do in the faith, hope, love, in the virtue that he'd like them to grow into is actions, repeated actions. He would like them to work at something. He doesn't expect them to become wonderfully devoted to Jesus by sitting there and waiting for it to kind of fall on their heads which I, I sometimes wonder if we talk a bit like that in church. We, we believe here that in all of our churches, that in worship, sometimes we will encounter the Holy Spirit and our lives will change in an instant. And yet it's also true that devotion to Jesus grows by doing things, grows by actions, grows by repeating the same thing over and over again. Um, in Hebrews chapter 5, whoever the writer to the Hebrews is, It says so I'm cutting right into the middle of an argument here, but he says, but solid food is for the mature. He's talked about some basic stuff that they've been that all the church know, and encouraging to move on further. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil, or if you like, by habit. They're trained by habit to do the thing that he wants them to do there. That's the first thing I want to talk about. How do we become more devoted to Jesus, we're going to have to learn the power of habit. Think of um, earlier this morning when we were worshipping, and this wonderful theme came out of our worship about King Jesus. And then this sort of almost like harmony theme that cut across it, saying, Jesus is our friend. How, How do you become friends with someone? How do you stay friends with them? I um, I was just reflecting on this while we were worshipping. So my thinking of one of my very best friends, a guy called Phil, who I can embarrass a bit because he's not in the room, so I can say nice things about him because he doesn't like it when I do that. So he is a wonderful man who prefers me and puts me before him continually. He's probably certainly my best friend in the city I live in. One of my absolute closest friends. We spend a lot of time together. The, The thing that has helped our friendship grow most is deliberately spending more time together. And putting things like habits in the diary. So we have a, we a bi weekly catch up where we watch some rubbish telly that we both enjoy. And we, we go on walks and we talk, whatever it might be that we're doing, but it's habit that's grown our friendship. I think we'll find it, it's the same thing with this. But it's habit, repeated action, that will grow our friendships, grow our relationship, deepen our devotion. So let me tell you a story. Um, I, back when I was working um, in Rolls-Royce in Derby, back when we lived here, I had a colleague called Sue who decided on what to me sounded like a bit of a fad diet to quit sugar. And she cut sugar very ruthlessly out of every single thing that she ate, which is harder than you'd think. Um, became a bit scary, actually, when I saw this, the lengths she had to go to to totally remove all um, sugar from her diet, and it wasn't even just processed sugar. She, I think, pretty much tried to remove all sugar, even the natural ones, which is, is hardcore. So, like, you can't eat an apple because so it's full of fructose. Like, difficult, but chose to do it. I think it had some health benefits for her. She seemed to think it did, but the thing... I haven't got close. clue. This is madness to me, but the... <laughs> The thing, I couldn't comment on that, but the thing that I really noticed about it was after she'd done it for, I don't remember how long it was, let's say she'd been doing it for a month, a a period of time, she ate a carrot for lunch, and she sat down and told me about how amazingly sweet the carrot was, to which I'm thinking, okay, I I guess carrots are sweet. That's probably not the first word that I'd go for, but sure, I can see that. And then a few days later, there were some donuts around, and she thought, "Oh, go on, I'm going to try one," having not had any sugar in a month or two. And she eats the donut and almost is immediately, like almost immediately, sick. I don't think she actually threw up, but like that just revulsion at the taste of this thing because it was far too sweet for her. Like she, she had loved cake. It was a big part of the day that Sue previously would tell us about the cake that she was eating and, and enjoy it. And It's a lovely little woman. But it, she, she did not enjoy it because her taste buds had changed. Oh, this is a funny thing. Her taste buds had changed by, well, by habit, I guess. Because she didn't eat anything sweet anymore, she'd stopped liking it, and she'd started liking the things that she did eat which is, I think, quite a helpful lesson for us. I mean, the way to think about it is that our our taste buds are reared by habit. And let's go with an analogy here. That's true not just of our mouths, but of generally what we like in life. Which is to say, the way that the philosopher James K.A. Smith would put this is, we do what we love. What you, you, you do what you love. We might think, oh, we love what we do, and I think that's probably true as well. But he would say, you just you do what you love. You find out what you love by looking at what you spend time with. You find out what you enjoy by looking at what you eat, I guess, what you fill yourself with. And here's the scary thing. What we love is what we end up worshiping. All of us worship things. We spend our time devoted to things. We gift our lives towards something. But what we love, we worship, which means we end up worshipping what we, what we, the things that we do, the place that we put our time, the place that we put our habits. And the Bible is at pains to point out a scarier thing, which is what we worship, we become. It's actually one of the big threads of the Old Testament is that we become what you worship, which can be an incredibly good thing, if you worship things that are worth becoming, and quite a scary thing. If we find that our time, our lives, our taste buds, our foods, our hearts are spent on stuff that's not worth it. Which, to, I guess, to, to summarize this a different way, we are what we eat. Like cakes become a cake. But, but like in every part of our lives, we are what we eat. We, are, we become what we do. So our, our habits, the things that we do regularly, which we have some control over, but it's also quite difficult to break a cycle that you're in, turn out to be the whole direction of our lives, turn out to be what we, what we become. Which is to, to flip it around the other way. If you are saying, you know what, I want to be in the vine, I want to be a branch that's in the vine and bearing fruit, well, we can work this backwards if you want to become what you worship and you want what you worship to be Jesus, well, you need to love Jesus. And what's the best way of loving something? Making sure that's that's what fills your time, what you do, where your habits are. Which is just to say that it's really easy in a moment of fervor to go, yes, I want more of Jesus. But to make that a thing in your life requires doing something regularly, requires habit. And just to... Gone too far there. Maybe we haven't gone too far there. That's not going to do what I wanted to. Don't worry. We were going to see um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, which says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, but holding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is Spirit, which What Paul is, oh, thank you. Um, What Paul's saying is what I've been trying to say, that we become what we worship, or what we worship, we become. It's as we behold the glory of the Lord that we are transformed to be like him. If we look at God, we become like God. If we spend time with God, we become like God. You want to get in with Jesus, you have to spend time with him. You've got to put in some habit. Which is to say that, If we want to be devoted to Jesus, we have to do something regularly. Devotion requires habit, or because it's more alliterative, devotion requires discipline. You have to do something again and again and again and again and again. Which is all well and good, and actually I suspect lots of us know that, and it sounds kind of heavy, and you think, oh, my word, I was kind of excited about the idea of getting in with Jesus, and now you've told me I've got to put some discipline in my life and do something, and... Oh. And also, we probably all have an image of what I mean when I say some discipline, and I suspect that may not be what I'm getting at. So in a moment, we're going to hear some stories from different people about some, their, their, what you might call their devotional life, their life with Jesus, some of the habits that they have and haven't found helpful. And there'll be three stories, they're each different. there'll be some different things we can learn from them. No one is going to be telling you that you have to be them and hopefully one of the things we're going to see is actually it's been quite different for each of these three people, some of the steps that they've taken. But all I want you to know is you will have to do something. You, you want to hold on to Jesus, you, you've got to do some holding. You'll have to actually take some steps to get there. Habit is powerful, and it changes us. The things that we do end up being the things that we become. So let's hear some stories. We're going to have um, Pip and Innie and Sam, who are hopefully all expecting to tell us some things. So if you could come up, we could give them a bit of a round of applause. <laughs> Wonderful. And because Sam has stood nearest me, you're going to go first, it looks like. Sam, why don't you tell us a little bit of, of your story?
1: Yeah, so my name's Sam. Um, <laughs> My story is mainly about a um, better time reading the Bible. And for me, like through my teenage years and when I first came to uni, um, I think I would have a 10-hour periods of life. I just doing really well, a couple of weeks, I'm, I'm nailing it. And then it would all sort of fizzle out and drop off. Um, and then I realized, sort of in hindsight, because I wanted to read the Bible but for the sake of I felt it was the right thing to do. Mm not, I want to read the Bible because I want to learn more of God's character and his love of it. Um, and I think mean, that was quite a big revelation for me, and knowing that to go, oh, I'll just go for it again with my soul personally and you know, I want to learn more of, more of who you say I am, and of who you are. Um, and I have always personally been I'm not a morning person. Um, I would say, oh, I've got the energy or the, um, yeah, I been too tired in the morning to go for it. To be honest, for me, that was a bit of a lie I was believing, and it was actually, I was interpreting tiredness and lack of energy as a lack of desire to actually know what um, God wanted me to hear, to spend time in his world.
0: Wow. Thanks, Sam.
2: <laughs> Go for it, Pip. Hello. I thought I would just share um, some things, but um, I found myself in them. Um, so, uh, I'm probably slightly... <laughs> <laughs> <But>, <laughs> Finding a place and um, where you feel comfortable mm. and, and it works for you. So for a while I um, love walking, so you used to just go and walk, sit on a bench, there, but, um, like uh, and then when I change jobs, I used to drive, I used to work and sit in my car, read my bible, and, and then recently I actually purchased a nice chair so I could sit really and read my bag there and that. that's something.
3: been, like, having my youth say that to me right at the beginning, like, I always go back to it, and I'm like, there's actually so much grace mm. for us, like, we're not crucified. just to just because, like, we go through a whole week and we didn't read our Bible, like, that's not what it's about, so, yeah, that that's really helped me as well. And then my third thing, um, re- uh, especially since lockdown, I've um just been finding it helpful to build other habits into my day, so um, I um read my Bible in the morning but then um, I've started listening to um, kind of um, scripture in the car so it's just another way to get um, the Bible into my day and I've started well more and more like different parts of my day and just trying to rely on God by praying so I work in hospital so every time I walk to the ward I pray for the next part of my day and that God will be with me that will help me Every time I drive, I pray, "Well, God, do you keep me safe um, while I'm driving?" Um, and yeah, I just—it's just been something. I don't—I don't really know why I started doing it, but I just found it made me habitually more aware of God in my day. And um, yeah, it just—I just found I was more able to hear His voice and hear what He, hear what he was saying so I was like giving each thing over. Hmm. So yeah, those are
4: my
0: wow. three things. Thanks, Pip.
4: Um, my devotional life took a quite big hit at COVID during lockdown. Um, so over the last year or so, just trying to learn to rebuild um, habits. Um, and I'm very much an all or nothing kind of person. So kind of like Pip says, when you don't read your Bible for a week, it's not two step fours and one step back. And it took me a while to realize that. I was like, oh, I've not read my Bible for two weeks. That's five steps back. I'm back where I started. But that's not true at all. Like, Jesus doesn't take things away from us because we didn't read our Bible. Um, So learning that grace was really helpful. Um, And when I was really struggling, learning that corporate life, like corporate worship and corporate time with Jesus, um, is part of your devotional life. So on days where I'd really struggle to read my Bible or come to Jesus, sometimes going to church that week or going to home group, was enough like i didn't feel capable of doing other things so it really helped to see that there is grace in maybe you struggle to pick up your bible that going to home group and reading the bible with friends over a cup of tea and some skittles like (laughs) that doesn't detract from god's word god's word is god's word Um, um and learning to read it with friends so some friends and i hannah and claire Shout out, um, started reading it during lockdown together, which was really helpful because even if I didn't want to read my Bible, I'd be like, oh, I've got to read Colossians 1 before Sunday. <laughs> so it's helpful to have someone to keep you accountable when you're really struggling. And that would really help to keep me accountable, which was really great. Um, so yeah, I think that.
0: Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Well done. <laughs> Thanks guys. Wonderful. So, the reason that we heard those stories, mostly because you'll see that people are doing quite different things. For all we could, oh, there's some key points in there. Love, grace, community. Uh, Yes, that's stuff all of us need, actually. But everyone's doing something a bit different, which I think is helpful because I, I imagine most of us, if you've been around church a bit, hear something like devotional life, which is kind of Christian code. And you think, well, that means read the Bible and pray, which we go, yeah, I guess. I guess that is what it means. But you picture that in a very particular way that might not work for you, though it might do. And the important thing is not that we do this in a particular way. Because the Bible doesn't say you've got to get yourself a nice armchair and get up at six in the morning and sit and read the Bible for 45 minutes, even if that's what I do. It does not say that anywhere in the Bible that you would find that. You know, there's some principles I'm pulling on from the Bible when I'm doing those practices. But that doesn't have to be what yours looks like. But the thing is, something regular that gets you in touch with Jesus, that gets you in the Word, if possible, that helps you to pray. This is good. But the the thing that's going to work is the thing that's going to work. So as in, it's going to work for you and your life as it looks right now. And that will change at multiple points through your life. So what I'd like us to do... We're going to spend some time on our tables having a chat. And I suspect that if you talked a little bit about different things that you do in your devotional lives, if you're willing to share, you would find lots and lots of different ideas. What I'm actually going to ask you to do is is just list as many different things you could possibly do as possible, and try not to say, read the Bible, pray, and finish your list at two. So because you might be like, well, that's it, it. But yes, but to some extent. But, but what, what do we mean by read the Bible? What kinds of different things have you either done yourself or heard of other people that do, even if you've never done it yourself, you can pretend you have if you like. Um, or what does, I don't mind, what does, what, what, what might praying look like? Through your day or in the morning or in the evening or what sorts of different, so just as many different ideas as possible for things that could go into somebody's devotional life. And then, and, and so really, all we're looking for is lots of ideas, faintly in the hope that someone might hear something and go, oh, I could try that, even if it's not something you've thought of before. And then if you've got time, we're going to give you about, about slightly over 10 minutes. We'll call it 12 minutes, because that's a time no one knows how long it is, so I can just pick where we finish. Um, if you notice, teachers, do, I used to be a teacher. Seven minutes is the perfect time for an activity, because no one knows how long seven minutes is. It's impossible to do it in your head. You can do 10. Can't do so, I'm very off track. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why? And then if you've got some time, why do your habits fail? Because that's, that's obviously the kind of the hidden thing that I've not talked about, is lots of you would have tried stuff before, and it's not worked. Or it worked for a bit, and then it didn't work anymore. What are some of the things that makes habits fail? But particularly, if you don't have time for the second bit, that's okay. List as many things as you can around your table that you could do. And try and get beyond, read the Bible and pray. 10 minutes and a bit, start having a chat. We'll hear some ideas in a bit. One more minute, guys. So if you think about drawing your discussions to a close over the next minute, that would be great. So, if I could interrupt your discussions there, if that's right. I, um, before we move on, there's another thing I'd like to tell you about. But before we move on to that, I, I'd love to hear a little bit. So, this is going to probably require people who are brave enough to just shout out, because, I mean, at the table, it's quite hard to get mics to people. Um, and, but we won't assume that the thing you're saying has anything to do with you. We'll just assume it's something that's said on your table. I'd love to hear as many different things as possible as we can in the next couple of minutes that someone could do in their devotional life, what sorts of things. Who wants to be brave and go first? Shout a thing at me.
1: Spending
0: time in stillness. Wow. Oh, gosh, that's hard. That was spending time in, i sorry, I should repeat them so everyone can hear them. That was spending time in stillness. So things like silence, I guess, embracing everything that is not your phone. Um, (laughs) Gosh! Yes! Wow! Definitely a thing you could do. What else? Journaling. journaling. Yes, who said that? Someone over here. Thank you. Um, yeah, journaling. So about that—that that could be lots of different things. But maybe like writing out your prayers or just your thoughts to process them. Yep. Worship or pray while you're waiting for things. Waiting for things. So it kind of regaining that space when you're in a queue or on the bus or whatever it might be not putting on your phone unless that is in some way helping you worship or or pray yeah great what else being creative, being creative. so it could be in a thousand things to a thousand different people but something that in some ways is kind of life-giving leads you towards god Yeah. Using a Bible plan? Do you mean Lucy, like, like reading what it tells you to on each day, kind of thing? Great. Yes. Like, it could be a Bible in a year. Could be way slower than that. Could be way faster than that if you're up for. I I have a friend who once um, read through the Bible in a month. Um, It did serious damage to their family life. (laughs) Um, I don't think they would do it again. But yes. Wow. What a thing. Um, Yes. Whatever kind of plan you like. What else? Singing, yes, in all, whether that's in the kitchen or on the bus or, yeah, amazing. Mm. Praying in tongues whenever you can, yes. Embracing the gift of tongues, which is so helpful when you don't know what to pray. Someone over here said something that I missed. The same thing. It's like a tongue and interpretation across the room from Nottingham to Manchester. Um, what else? I didn't catch that. Dancing. Dancing, so not my thing, but yes, one hundred percent. If it helps you engage with the Lord, great. Yeah. Paint read. Praying the scripture you've read, was that? Paint the scripture you've read. Yeah. Okay. Great. Can I, like, as a way of embedding it into? Yeah. Sure. Great. What? <laughs> wow. I mean, that was compose a song. Um, which if you are that way inclined and have those gifts, 100% please do that. Um, Yes. Reading and singing liturgy. Yeah, in our kind of church, that can feel a bit strange. But yes, Beth, that's so helpful, Um, kind of embracing some of the, the things that other streams of church would use. reading your Bible at breakfast, I like it, so you're sat, I used to do that, so you're kind of sat and you've got your Bible open, you're eating your cereal, yes, love it, use the time, what else? (laughs) Gosh, that was hard, yes, (laughs) being grateful, that's the kind of deep thing that will do good work in your soul, that is remarkably difficult to do, kind of learning thankfulness by deliberately thinking of a thing to be grateful for that day, even when everything feels mind-crushingly awful, Um, (laughs) Yeah, the, you're learning something about my character in the way I put that, but yeah. What, what else? Reading Christian, books. Reading Christian books. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, all sorts of different, I mean, there's obviously good and bad Christian books, but to be honest, something that's helping you towards Jesus, great. Listening to Christian podcasts or sure, so listening to Christian podcasts or preachers, so taking time to, to listen to someone talk to you about Jesus, yeah, not a bad thing. Was that, I missed the first word, was that focusing your mind on? Uh, putting reminders of put it, truth. Right. Way of Thank you. Putting reminders of biblical truth where you'll see them day to day. So that could be something like write a verse or some way of something the Bible says and put it in a place in your home or, or a reminder on your phone or, I haven't got a third option, but somewhere else <laughs> that you're going to regularly see it. Um, yes, in that sort of your eye catches it and then, oh, yeah, wow. I'm not going to repeat that. I'm not going to repeat that, but you can see the uh, you can see the web address up there. Um, Yes, what else? Give this one first. Prayer walks. Yeah, so Pip kind of mentioned that earlier. Yes, deliberately choosing to go on a walk and pray. And someone around here said something. Deliberately praying with your friends. Yes, I like it. It's possibly the first thing you've heard that's in community, actually. Um, yes, deliberately praying with your friend, whether that's on a call or together or... Yeah, it's weird walking along with a friend somewhere and praying with them with your eyes open so you don't walk into the dog walkers in the park. But It's a thing we've learned in the pandemic, some of us, but maybe, not as... maybe it's odd that it's weird. It's a good thing. What else? Yes, Callum. <laughs> the old one too. yeah. Confess your sin. I mean, the way of Jesus is repentance and forgiveness, which none of us want to know. But that, that is the way of Jesus. Repent of your sin and forgive those who've hurt you. That is, that is how you get devoted to Jesus.
2: <sighs>
0: yeah, true though. What else? Memorise scripture, yeah. Yeah, whether you think that's an easy thing for you or actually quite a difficult thing, find a way, I'm sure there's lots of different ways, but find a way of actively memorizing a section of scripture. Yeah. Sharing food. food. Yes, get around the table with someone or many people and talk about Jesus while you're there. That is the right context to do so. Yes, amazing. Maybe maybe read a book that's not Bible. Like a Christian book? Yes. Yeah. Read a Christian book. I think someone might have already said that one, but great. Good idea. Pray the Lord's prayer. Pray the Lord's prayer. Yeah. You don't know what to pray. Don't fancy praying in tongues. Why not pray the prayer that Christians have prayed for 2000 years? Yeah, absolutely. Those of it like in our kind of church, we can get a bit, I don't like formalism. I don't like formalism. That doesn't mean the prayer isn't good and given to us to help us learn how to pray. Prayer cards, spending more time listening. What, what do you mean by prayer cards? I see. So a card that tells you what to pray for, in essence. Yeah, amazing. Um, yes, yeah, so it helps if you're like, I want to pray, and I don't know what to pray about. And then what was over here? So actively listening to God, not just assuming you're going to be the one doing all the talking yeah, that's about as hard as embracing stillness because <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is a similar thing in some ways. But uh, yeah, yeah, really important or really helpful. Sometimes it's like one it's like so focus on one scripture instead of read the whole chapter. Yeah, all the opposite, depending on which way is your norm, I suppose. But yes, if you often find I read quite a lot and I'm like, great, I read some stuff, you could just hone in on a sentence and really try and dwell in it. Or if you find, oh, I read a verse and then, like, I feel like I'm done, you could try reading more. Faster. Like, just as in, read a big old chunk and go, well, I didn't get all of that, but I've got some, got some threads. Yeah. Text a, to your Text a scripture to your friend. Yeah. Wow. I bet that would bless them and you. Read the context of the book you would
1: like
0: to read. Read the context that you but mean like. The book, okay, read the context of the book you're about to read. You mean the book of the Bible. Sure. So kind of trying to help you grasp what's going on in the Bible by going a bit more big picture. Yes. And there's something over here. Going to church. Don't preempt my next bit. Um, <laughs> forget <laughs> Chloe said that. Um, yeah, well, Innie was saying it earlier, that, like, yeah, surprisingly enough, community and corporate times together are really important. We'll talk more about that in a second. Anything else? We could pause there. We've had loads of things. But if anyone wants to get in. You to God, right? He emails, prayers, so you have a friend who emails prayers to God. I guess that's like journaling. <laughs> Everyone now wants to know. <laughs> Everyone would like to know what the email address is <laughs> so they could get in on that. Um, yeah, I, I could, so that in some ways, I like journaling in that you are writing a prayer, but I can see the act of sending it feels like, oh, it's gone there. You presume you just set up an email address to send them to or something. Um, yeah, wow, okay. Anyone else want to chip in? Tim. <laughs> Tim said, submitting to your leaders. I mean, that is part of working with Jesus, yeah. 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 Um, if only you would they. Eh? Uh, <laughs> uh OK, We have heard lots of things. I am sure there are more things we could say. What we are not saying is, you should go and do all of those important things." Though, I mean, if we're talking about confess your sin," we actually are saying you should go and do that one. Um, but it, what we are saying is, oh. There's more ways to to be devoted to Jesus than just the, I should get my Bible and get up in the morning and read it and pray, though that is a good thing. So if for whatever reason that has not worked, you could try something else. You could try something else. Did anyone get to talking about why habits fail? Throw us a thought. So Hannah's talking about the, the instant gratification of what well, she said, getting your phone rather than taking your time to get into the word. Yeah, I think habits probably failed before the smartphone came out in 2007. But oh my word, have they made it harder? I I, I have one, but sometimes I think I should throw my dopamine dispenser that I keep in my pocket into the fire. It's but don't get me on that one because I will talk for a long time about technology in the Christian life. But yeah, that is definitely a challenge. We live in an instant age. That expects instant gratification. That expects a bit of haptic feedback as the thing buzzes. And your devotional life is not like that. Um, you do not get the instant hit out of the work you put in. That's true. Right. There's definitely a reason that habit's fail. A change in routine. Yeah, your life changes. Your habits might need to change with it. That's okay, by the way, that your routine changes and the things you did before don't seem to work anymore, need to find new things to do. That's okay. You just need to find new things to do that work. Yeah, laziness, yeah. That is sometimes the reason that our habits fail because we don't really start in the first place, yeah. Yes, we do not give them long enough to become habits. I actually think that's probably the biggest reason. There's, um, you could find as many numbers as there are psychologists, but some people say it takes 21 days to make a habit. No, sorry, 28 days to make a habit, four weeks. Other people say longer which is to say that when you've tried something for a week and it's not embedded in your life, well, that's not really surprising. It it takes a long time to make a habit, which means if you've done it for five days and then not done it for two, your habit hasn't broken, your habit hasn't started, you just gotta keep going. And actually, the, the Christian life is about the slow walk towards wisdom and becoming like Jesus. It takes a long time to do anything that you see payoff from in many ways you might think what is the payoff of me praying every morning well you are becoming more like jesus but some of the payoff might be in a thousand years time when, in the resurrection like it's not all about what's going to change right now yeah go on jay yeah Yeah, I think that's true. So Jade's saying it's a spiritual battle. The enemy would like you to not be devoted to Jesus and would like you to fail at anything you try, whatever it might be. Jesus would like you to succeed, which means it will help to pray that you're able to maintain a habit and help to pray or get other people to pray for you. But helpful to know that it's a fight. But I think the biggest thing you need to know if we're going to pick up a habit, perhaps after today, is that it might fail... What will Jesus think about you if it does? This is the most important thing that you need to know. If We're going to keep talking about habits. What will Jesus think about you if you fall over and it doesn't work? Precisely the same thing as he thinks about you right now, which is that he loves you completely, and he is devoted to you and has decided to devote himself to you. By doing absolutely everything required to bring you into the Father's presence and then continue to love you and want you and say that he is for you and move towards you every single day. None of that changes because you didn't make any of it happen. So I think we should go and try and do some stuff that helps us be devoted to Jesus. I really think we should. But when it fails for some of us, or eventually all of us, because all of us fail at something, will that change how Jesus feels about us? No. What will he do? He will pick us up and say, "Do you want to have another do you want to have another go?" And then we'll probably blub a bit and say, "Maybe." And then, like, "Okay. Let's have another go." That is all you're ever going to get from the Lord. Let's have another go. Let's have another go. I believe in you. Let's have another go. Your failure does not dictate how God feels about you. Which means it's safe to try and it's okay to fail, which we need to know. Right. Last thing I'd like to tell us about that. Chloe has somewhat um, co-opted for me. In fact, Innie was talking about earlier. We think from ourselves outwards. Duncan was was talking about this a little bit earlier, about what kind of culture we live in with the stuff he was saying about the, the Brené Brown quote. If someone asks me, how are you doing in your walk with Jesus, or something, it's a very Christian phrase, isn't it? How is your devotional life? Something like that. I am going to answer by thinking about the thing I do first thing in the morning. For me, I'm going to think about that first 45 minutes hour of my day when I pray and read the Bible. That's what I'm going to think about. That's kind of weird that that's what I'm going to think about. I suspect it was what most of us would think about. We'd be like, oh, me and Jesus, that means. So what, what, what is the, how is that going? How is the personal stuff I do with Jesus going? Rather than thinking first about the church how is my walk with Jesus going? Well, I've been to church and I worshiped with some people. I heard the word read and preached and I drank the body and blood of Jesus and I saw someone baptized. So my walk with Jesus is going pretty well, thanks. Is actually a valid answer, which I think probably very few of us would think. Which is not to say that all the stuff we've talked about, about personal devotion to Jesus is not really valuable, but sometimes we get these two things the wrong way around. When Innie said earlier that in lockdown, a life kind of Her devotional life wasn't really anywhere, but church helped. That shouldn't surprise us. That's the way it's meant to work. And, you know, actually this, the fact that we think from ourselves outwards does make church quite challenging. We're asked to be in a community. We're asked to be a people. We're asked to think of others before ourselves. Is culturally difficult. It's difficult for us. Um, Later in the letter to the Hebrews from where I read earlier, it says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promises faithful and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the kind of passage has been quite a lot in the last couple of years. Obviously, we've not been able to gather together and people trying to encourage people to come back to gatherings. I think we kind of hone in on that phrase about Um, Not neglecting to meet together. What I'd like you to notice is how often the phrases one another, us, and our are used in those couple of sentences. And this would be true of a lot of the Bible. One another, us, and our. This is a team sport, Christianity. Christianity is church, we could say. It's a team sport. It's something that we do together because we're a people which means when someone is struggling their devotion to Jesus, is it on them? Maybe. It's also on us, and vice versa. We're supposed to help each other. We're supposed to buoy each other up. We're supposed to encourage one another. Some of the examples we heard actually were about doing things with other people. I'd really encourage all of us to push into those, whatever they might be, reading Scripture with someone else, texting Scripture to your friend, whatever it might be, but things that are connected to other human beings will really help us to connect to Jesus. So there's, there's this story that I, when I was a kid growing up in church in the youth group, often got told to answer the question, why do I have to go to church? Which is, because it's kind of dull, which is, I mean, this church isn't dull, our church isn't dull, but the church we grew up in, It's <laughs> the, kind of, the kind of question that got asked in, in youth group. Why do I have to go to church? Always told the same story about a young man who decides to stop going to the church and kind of falls out of the whole thing, and then, For whatever reason, gets gone, goes to meet an elderly, let's say, there's a pastor, older guy, and they go and they sit down in front of this fireplace, and he's like, "Why do I have to bother with this church thing? I love Jesus. Why do I need it?" And the guy takes a coal out of the fire and puts it on the hearth, and they watch it go out, and he says, "Well, that's that's you without the church. You'll go cold. You'll go dim. You need the church to stay." hot, to stay alive, to keep following Jesus. That's the story I was often told. That's why you need the church. We need one another to keep ourselves alive. Which is okay, but I must admit I tend to see it as a challenge. And if you feel like that, but I'll be all right. I can stay hot without them. Um, I won't be like all oh, those other bits of coal that go out. It's okay, but I must admit it, um, it feels a little bit like it's missing the point. Which is so I don't, you might not have heard that story before, but which is church isn't about being hot. It's not about being a light. It's not about being a really great Christian who's doing really well. Not to be a really good Christian, you need other people. Church is about meeting God. We come to church to meet with God because you meet with God in the people of God, in the temple of God. The same as it was in the Old Testament. It's just the temple now is, is you guys you need the church to meet with god and it's not and i think this is important it's not easier to be a christian in the church than it is out like so, oh you'll go dim and cold it's not easier christianity is the church christianity is the church following jesus means being in the church why is that let me let me tell you a bit of a story the let's start let's start right back at the beginning Don't get too worried about how long this might take, but start right back at the beginning. Genesis chapter 2. Adam and Eve are in a garden, and they're walking um, with God in the cool of the day and enjoying his presence. And Adam has been given a commission to be a king, to go and subdue the earth and to fill the earth and to rule over the earth. At the moment, they're in the garden in Eden, and maybe, as rule probably doesn't extend much beyond that, maybe as much to, to the land of Eden, but certainly not beyond. There's a sense in the chapter of there's more to do. There's a world here to come and to take and to tame and to rule and to love. And there's the king, Adam, and then he's got a bride, Eve, who is taken from his side as he, as he is put, put to sleep. And it goes badly. As I'm sure we all know the story, Adam chooses to take rather than wait to receive. He was also going to eat of that tree one day. But sometime later, he chose to take from the tree of wisdom rather than waiting to receive. And then Eve is given a promise that somehow this is going to get fixed from the seed that will come from the woman. And then fast forward, let's not go through the whole story of the Old Testament, which kind of basically is an expansion of that story, but fast forward to another garden, perhaps not that far away geographically, but another garden, where a man on his knees who sweats blood says, I will wait to receive, I won't take. Not my will, but your will. So he does the opposite to Adam. And so because he does the opposite to Adam, he is put to sleep, if you like, killed, and out of his side is taken, oh, a bride to replace the first bride. So we have a king who's dying and a bride out of his side as his blood makes the church. I don't know if you've thought about it in those terms, but that's, that's the story of Scripture. Which is to say that the church is the point. Let me connect those dots for you. Who is the bride that Jesus has? Who is the Eve to his Adam? The New Testament tells us that the church is the bride of Christ. What would have happened if Adam had done well? And have you ever thought about that? What would have happened if Adam had done well? What I think would have happened, we had we guessing a little bit when I discern from Genesis chapter 2, but what I think would have happened is that Heaven would still have met earth, and the Christ would still have married the bride, the people of God. As in, God's plan was always that heaven would meet earth, and God would marry humans. Because that's what we're told is going to happen in the distant future. Heaven will meet earth, and God will marry his people. The whole purpose, as far as it seems, for what God is doing, is he wants to make more of his son, and he wants to make more of his son by gathering a people who look like his son, for his son to marry the church. The whole point of God's grand narrative is is the church. It's for his people. There is no being with Jesus outside of that. It's about the bride. To make the point, right at the end of history, what's going to happen Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. Thank goodness, because the sea in this in Revelation is evil. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This is the church. In the symbol language of Revelation, this is the church coming down from heaven, prepared as a bride and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. This was the mission. This was the point that God would come and live with men. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. I mean, that, that is our great hope. That one day God will with fingers that once carved valleys out of the earth, wipe every tear from your eye. But what's going on? God will be with his people. He will come and be with his bride. Every Sunday, you get a taste of this. It might not feel like it. And I kind of, I do understand that. What's happening every Sunday is you are coming to be with the bride to get a taste of what the wedding will be like, to get a taste of what the marriage will be like, to get a taste of the age to come. Now, it is only a taste because you might be like, it's not that great, Tim. But the thing is, we're not looking at it through the right eyes and we think that. Church is, however hard it might be, church is where we meet with Jesus. It's his people. Which is to say, to coin a pity phrase, personal piety, this is like the alliteration, personal piety derives from corporate worship. What that means is your personal devotional life with Jesus, your walk with him, whatever you want to call it, stuff you do on your own, By reading and praying, where does that find its source in the stuff the church does together? That's how it's supposed to be. Supposed to be that way around. Starts corporate, isn't it? To stay corporate, we are supposed to individually meet with God. He loves us as individuals as well as as a people. Yes, 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 yes. But that's where it starts. But church is hard. (laughs) It is. It's hard for lots of reasons. It's hard because we're individuals and everything in this fights against it. And I just want to say, I'm about to finish, but I, it's just important, I think, to make this point. Some of you will have just heard me say, Christianity is church. And that will have been a wounding phrase. Because church has been hard for lots of reasons. Quite probably not your fault. And it has been difficult. And coming on a Sunday is a mission and it is brave. And being in this room maybe even is a mission and it's brave. And you, I think it's important that you know that what I'm not not saying, that the fact that it is hard makes you deficient in any way. It's hard because of sin, quite possibly other people's. It's hard because the world is broken and this is not a very good foretaste for what's coming, but it is also the best one we have. Church sometimes is really, really difficult. And maybe you are an absolute hero for turning up, even if no one else notices it and no one else hears it. The Lord knows. Well done. That's what he'd like to say. I don't know who I'm talking to, but that's what he'd like to say today. Well done. Well done. And it's also true that she is the resplendent bride of Christ who will conquer the world and change everything to reflect his image and grow up into all wisdom and teach the nations. All those things are true too. Even if all you can think about church is, it's just really hard to go through the door. Yeah, I know. I get it. Well done. So, all that being said, we've talked about habit. We've talked about the fact that it's not just about you on your own. It's also about corporate stuff. And in between, we've talked about all sorts of different things you could do next. I'm sure many more ideas besides to take a next step in following Jesus. What we're going to do now is I'm going to give you a couple of minutes before we go into our break to decide, if you'd like to, what are you going to do next? What change are you going to make? What's your next step of devotion to Jesus? Mine, it's probably helpful to say, so at the start of this year, I, um, I read a lot of stuff about how great the Psalms are, and how praying the Psalms is what Christians have done for thousands of years. And I thought, okay, <laughs> could have a go at that. So I've been adding to what I would normally do. I read a psalm every day. It's not that hard. But I'm also trying to learn to pray the psalm. It's really hard. <laughs> Don't really know what I'm doing. I <laughs> couldn't really describe to you quite how that works yet, except I am finding remarkably wonderfully that my emotions are, are very often reflected in the text that I'm reading, really helpfully. And, and learning to pray after the way that Jesus, I guess the church has, has always prayed. So that's what I've been doing trying to learn how to pray the Psalms, still taking baby steps. Um, we're in something like Psalm 34 this morning. So we're not, there's 150 of them, and we're going to keep going. So this is, you know, got lots of learning time. That's me. What about you? Why don't you turn to someone near you, and if you've got an idea, or just start to talk, what could you do? What change are you going to make? We're gonna Spend maybe five minutes on this, and then we'll, we'll move into the next thing. Go for it.